Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Thursday, November 2nd. Happy Thursday of the Sleepers Podcast. Uh, again, we're recording this Wednesday night. This still feels weird. It's night for us. It's morning for you when you listen to this. And clearly, once again, for the second consecutive night, it's abundantly clear that Carter Elliott is under the influence. Carter, how are I, you tonight? I am not under the influence. I was sick of being accused of it last night. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a glass of wine while we record. So you can feed into the narrative that I am quote unquote under the influence. So I got a nice little bottle of red house, red Michigan, black star farm from Traverse city, Michigan. Great bottle of wine. Uh, I'm just going to have a glass while we record. If you don't mind, please. Can you please tell me more about this wine? I feel like you would probably be a great wine reviewer would be my guess. Um, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on you or anything, but I feel like if you got a nice little Pinot Grige, a little Cabernet, you could probably tell us a few facts about said Cabernet. Uh, so my favorite thing to do is smell wine, swish it around and act like I care and or know about it. I like to drink wine just because uh, I feel fancy when I do it and it gets me feeling good. That's about it. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, understood. Uh, I mean, you look great doing it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's a holiday pour. That's a big time pour. Kudos to you. Uh, I certainly have had nothing to drink tonight except for water. So at least one of us is taking the show seriously. We have three good topics for you tonight. Hey, we have real basketball to talk about. Purdue was in action tonight, and Carter and I watched every single second. That was our homework assignment. I'm really excited about it. Also, there's betting lines available. And uh, I don't think I need to tell anyone we like to bet on basketball. So we're excited about this. We're going to talk about it. And our third topic of the night, I have a secret for Carter. I have a secret topic. I'm very excited to unveil to him. And uh, my honest speculation is that Carter and I are going to have the same answer for the prompt that I give him for our third topic. But exciting stuff. You can feel the season right around the corner. Are you unpackaging some Halloween candy right now? Is that what's happening? Uh, no, it's not Halloween candy, but usually when I do have a, a, a nicer bottle of wine, I like to have a little piece of dark chocolate with it. It really enhances the wine. Can you look me in the eyes and tell me honestly you like dark chocolate? Yes. Can we be honest for a second? Mm-hmm. Dark chocolate stinks. Of course you think that. It stinks. There's never ever on earth been a moment where dark chocolate is better than milk chocolate i i disagree well i used to feel that way but then i grew up and i like dark chocolate now did you grow up though and one and i grew up in some ways not a lot i feel like you're still a kid at heart to be honest uh hey before we go to comments today can we address the simple fact that we were on the bleacher report app today I think it went fantastic. I'd, I'd like to know how you feel it went. I haven't talked to you. Honestly, I you and I have not talked about this one-on-one before we clicked record tonight. Uh, how'd you feel about that? It was our first time in the BR app since when we were live for the marathon stream during the NCAA tournament, and uh, it seemed like it went well to me. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I truly enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I thought that people were very engaging in the comments, and 
not to get like sentimental on this on this podcast or this episode, but it truly does feel good when me and you get to rock in in those type of spots. Like I I have faith in us in any situation almost, but in those situations, like when you throw us in to a stream, a show, and you want us to engage with people and you want us to be entertaining, like I truly think we do that better than anybody. And I'm not trying to be cocky about it. Like we just do. So it felt good. I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the one on Monday that we have at uh, noon Eastern time. And I'm hoping that it leads to more opportunities leading up to, you know, throughout the whole season. Yeah. I echo your sentiments there. I, first of all, I had a blast today. It was really fun. Uh, So much fun. You never know what to expect when you do something like that, where it's like, like 90%, Hey, just come do what you do. But like maybe 10%, like you're on this new platform and you don't exactly know how it's going to work. Like you don't know if the chat's actually going to refresh. You don't know if you're going to be able to see the chat while also hosting. You don't know if anybody's even going to show up. Like there's just a lot of weird things going on. But then we got like five minutes in and I'm like, oh, this is working. Like (laughs) people are actually here. We're having fun. I don't know. It felt really good. And uh, I'm glad you said what you said because... Yeah, that was my takeaway too. Like I I don't know if I just like needed it. I don't know if I needed to be rejuvenated or what, but um I I've had a tough couple of days as anybody listening to this probably knows. I've talked about it pretty transparently and a lot of people have reached out to me and been super kind, like super kind. I'm so appreciative of everybody who sent me some kind words in the last couple of days and uh I know long term everything's going to be all right. I'm going to work out and I I'm very confident in that, but I kind of needed one. I needed to see one go in in a, a way that wasn't just you and me on a Zoom call. And that's what today felt like. It felt like it was a big moment. It felt like it was a big opportunity. And uh, even if it was actually a small opportunity tangibly for us, it was really big. And it went great. As far as I'm concerned, it went 100 out of 100, not even 10 out of 10. It went like as perfect as I think it could have gone. We had almost every single person that's a member of our sleepers discord that already is supporting us in there to support us again, double time it. Like y'all crushed it. If you're listening to this, thank you so much. If you played that role for us today, it means the world. And, uh, and we had a bunch of people who I think discovered us for the first time too, which is incredible. And, uh, you nailed it. I walked upstairs after doing it, feeling like really rejuvenated, feeling like really don't give up even if I feel like I should give up. I walked upstairs and my wife was like, how was it? And I was like, honestly, like physically shaking of like, there's no one who can do that. Like I honestly, I, I like to, this is kind of crazy, but you know how like in the NBA, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown probably like go into games and they're like, we're kind of nice, but then they get into the NBA finals and they're like, oh shit, we're not good enough. I'm never going to have that feeling with you. Like, I just it, the, like match us up with Jalen and Jason match us up with whoever. I don't care. Uh, I feel like uh, the only people that can understand how you and I feel in that setting is probably Kobe and Shaq. I meant to drop a joke, uh, by the way, I had this fully planned out for 15 minutes. I never even told you this. I meant to sign off by saying, all right, we had a blast. Thanks for having us. We're essentially Titus and Tate. If they still liked each other. But I I forgot to oh, say that. <laughs> that would have hit. I know. I forgot to say it. So I'll save it for next time. But uh, anyways, it was a really fun time. Thanks to everybody who supported. And we'll be back on Monday in the Bleacher Report app. Hopefully the first of potentially many this season. Uh, fingers crossed. So great job, everybody. Great job, us. Let's move on to the show. Carter Elliott's 
YouTube comment of the day. Sorry, got to grab my phone off the charger here, but I do have my YouTube comment of the day. Let's see. Couple couple quick Lance Jones ones coming in after his performance tonight, but I think we're going to we're going to talk about that a little bit later, so I will save that one. Let's go. Let's go to Aiden Tree cuz this this one I think needs to be addressed. Uh, maybe in short form, but maybe in long form. I think Indiana has the most delusional fans in college basketball right now. Quickest to bash Edie while talking up Xavier Johnson as a top point guard, and some think they're going to be better this year. This one got me thinking, Greg, and it could be a really quick answer. Who do you think is the most delusional fan base in college basketball? You're really going to ask me that after the last week. You know I don't lie on our podcast. I don't lie. I like I'm I'm not gonna lie on our podcast, so I'm gonna decline to answer. Okay. Uh I think that every fan base is delusional. Literally every every single one. Every single one is very much, very much uh uh you know, able to be delusional at times. Like Aiden, I believe, is a Purdue fan. You want to talk about delusional things, we'll talk about it later. But all I saw in my timeline tonight was Lance Jones this and Lance Jones that. Like he wasn't playing the fight in Carter Elliott's. Like, let's 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 be serious for a second here, folks. Come on now. Uh every fan base is delusional. You just gotta accept it. It is what it is. Uh honestly, that's kind of why I like to drive people to sleepers. I feel like you don't get as much delusion on this podcast. You just get opinions and what we see in reactions to actual games and we're able to put biases aside at times. So uh, yeah, I think I'll answer that. Every fan base is delusional. You just got to kind of accept it. And it is what it is. It's, it is what college basketball is. That's what fans do. Yes. Yeah. I don't have a problem with fans being delusional. Fans are supposed to be delusional. I have a problem when fans that are delusional get upset with us for telling them they're delusional because our job is not to be delusional. Our job is to be objective on our podcast where we publicly exclaim that we're objective. And to be honest, I give us credit because you're a Michigan State fan and I've heard you say about a thousand things on this show over the last four years that is critical of your own team. In fact, I'm a Michigan fan, and I think you would say you've probably heard me say maybe not a 1,000, but maybe like 500 things that are critical of my own team because we are objective people and we're okay with pointing out flaws and evaluating our teams honestly. We also understand that fans that aren't podcasters don't have to do that. Fans can just be fans, and that's perfectly okay. But yeah, where I draw the line is when when fans who are just fans try to come to us who are podcasters and criticize us for not being fans. That's where I draw the line. I think there is one particular fan base that does that more than most is what I would say. Fans can be upset with what we say. A certain fan base likes to cross the line and uh, really come at us personally in a way I just haven't experienced before. But no comment beyond that because I like that fan base, even though they seem to be very upset with me. Yeah, same. Is what it is. Uh, all right. Thanks for that comment. Let's uh, get to the Discord comments, I guess. Woo! I'm still adjusting to doing this at night. I'm going to be honest with you. Anybody listening to this, uh, we should be doing this in the morning. We just should. It is what it is. I missed the breakfast bits. I missed the... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What? 
I missed the breakfast bits. There, I said it. <laughs> wow. There. Are are you happy now? No, now that I know that you miss it and you like it, I might stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah, I just I miss something about like the energy of like, oh, I should be at work right now, but I'm gonna spend 90 minutes with this idiot friend of mine. That's that was fun. Like, let pour me a double decaf right now instead <laughs> here i am i've had six jack and diets tonight and i should be sleeping and i have 90 minutes of editing to do after this not nearly as fun but i hope you're happy traveling gonad but <laughs> 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 i don't even i don't even think traveling gonad's the one who asked for this that's just the funniest name to say he did he did it he definitely he did, did. It. i did play darts with traveling gonad though he let me down. I'm not going to lie. He, I, my man uh, could not hit a 19 to save his life. He that's just, tough. He left me on an island. He would admit that. Let's get to the Discord. Join the Discord, people. The link's in the description. Uh, this starts with Fam, who says, I like this morning pivot a lot. I think recording at 1030 or whenever games end, paired with live commentary at night, is way better than 3 or 4 p.m. uploads. Waking up to this 10 p.m. energy got me turned up. Swear word five minutes in mixed with a Luke goodie bar. All right, so we got to chalk that up till we have one fan of the uh, of the late night record and fam. I want to add this just for anyone in Champaign that uh, may work on NIL-related projects. I think there's a big opportunity around goodie bars. Isn't there a actual candy bar that has good in it? I think so. Yeah. I can't, I can't comment with, on that. Yeah, it's with a yellow wrapper, but I, I can't remember it right now. I'm just like a, a goodie bag or a goodie bar should be a thing in champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 100%. just hey, hey, go ahead and take that. Free idea. I'm an ideas guy. It is what it is. Uh, Dr. Crap is in the building in the Discord. He says, was going to say RIP the breakfast bit, but watching the episode, I just think it's reached an evolution. It has. Now it's, Now we have transitioned to wine, dark chocolates. Who knows what's going to come next? I might bring my George Foreman up here on tomorrow's episode and uh, cook a grilled cheese or something. You never know. Would you cook that grilled cheese on a skillet or in a toaster? Uh, on a skillet. You seem to call me out for the skillet comment today. What was that about? No, no, no. I was calling out Bryce for cooking the ego waffle in a skillet an ego okay. waffle is to be made in a toaster he's just trying to be difficult i think and act like he's different yeah it seemed like he was trying to be high maintenance or like uh, he was attributing it to tyler the creator which is an even crazier move um yeah no th that that energy he gave me was like when you had an icebreaker in high school or college and the person who led with i read 17 books this summer that that's the energy i got like i'm better than you Speaking of icebreakers, real quick on the fly. Can I put you on the spot? Can we play two truths and a lie real quick? With who? Me or you? You and me both. You go first. Let's let's play two truths and a lie. Two truths and a lie. Okay. Um, let's see. I had two career dunks. I wore my braces for nine years. Um and uh, oh, I can't think of another truth. Um, I've never gotten a speeding ticket. The lie is I've never gotten a speeding ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I read you like a book. I, I, yeah, I made I made that very easy. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, it's okay. Uh, you, yeah, you try to play it off. Like, I can't think of another truth. Like, come on, Cart. Come yeah, on. sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, that was bad. It was very so bad. I, I'm not even going to do my side of this because it would go very inappropriate. Instead, I'm going to tell a very inappropriate story instead, uh, instead of doing it myself. So the funniest, literally the funniest moment of my life, the hardest I have ever laughed in person was my freshman year of college orientation. <laughs> this is... The second time I've told the Louis Savona story on oh, this God. podcast. Have you heard this story before? No, but you just said Louis Savona, so I already know where so it's going. It, it's like, <laughs> I'm dying at it. This is so inappropriate. Everybody should ignore this, I promise. But uh, it, it's like one of those, like, oh, we're everybody on the hall from the dorm. We're going to meet in the lobby and just have a little, ooh, we ordered pizzas. Our RAs are here. Let's all do a meet and greet, right? It's like a Thursday night before everybody's going to go out and party and drink. And uh, Louis Savona and me and, like, 30 people we've never met before but are going to be our friends for life that we're just meeting our freshman year dorm in welcome week are in this hallway. And like we walk in and the RA is like, okay, we're going to play two truths and a lie icebreaker. Everybody's going to do it. So everybody's going around doing the lame, basic two truths and a lie, like kind of not towing the line. It gets to Louis Savona just to, just to set this clear for everybody. Louis Savona is a five foot 10 Italian white man with like the muscles of a Greek God. Like he just out of high school, this man was a jacked, god athlete track extraordinaire but just muscles out the building five foot ten italian white man that's who he is he's had a nice little tan but very clearly an italian white man he gets the the shine it gets to the moment where it's louis savona's turn to go for uh two truths and a lie and we all have our name tags on with our names on it by the way he steps up again five foot ten white man with a name tag that says louis steps up Says, hi, I'm Lewis. Here's my two truths and a lie. Number one, my name's Lewis. Number two, I'm six foot ten. Number three, I have a 12-inch penis. It was the funniest moment. That's just, I mean, I'm not surprised though. I, I'm just, I'm not surprised <laughs> I mean, whatsoever. I'm sorry if that's immature. It's the funniest moment. <laughs> Anytime anyone tells me two truths and a lie, I just think of that moment of this little, like clearly five foot 10 man <laughs> stepping up saying that. That's oh actually insane. It was so good. Anyways. Okay. Back I, to the I comments. love Lewis. I love Lewis. Back to the comments. Uh, Travis Nelson says, just need to put it out there. The Mike Sully comparison is 100% accurate. I I need someone to allude on that because honestly, if we're looking at at it from a more under a microscope, you and Sully had the same posture. You guys both had that posture. That's the best insult you've ever insulted me with. It's a good one. Yeah, because it's accurate. It's really good. It's like there's a little tinge of sharp truth to it at the same time it's hilarious i give you a lot of credit for that uh at the same time you are as threatening as sully actually is which is completely non-threatening the man's afraid of a sock okay Uh, that's fitting 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 yeah uh joe jackson was in here plugging our episode we went on joe jackson's podcast last night after we recorded ours i had a blast on that by the way joe uh i know we've like kind of joked about it and said it in the discord 
Um, I just think Joe is a superstar at what he does flat out. I like he with his film breakdowns and the way he can just pick up on what happened during a play and explain it in the most simple of terms for people to understand. Uh, it's so educational. It's so resourceful. It's very entertaining. The kid's a superstar, and uh, I probably shouldn't even call him a kid. I have no idea how old he is. The guy is a superstar, and I hope he keeps doing this for a really long time. I had fun on his show. Yeah, 100%. I think Joe just graduated from college, I believe he mentioned. Uh, also, have we met Joe in person before? I, You know how bad I am with this. We met him in person, right? We did, yeah, but I got to be honest. When we met him in person, it was our trip to Mackey when Purdue won the Big Ten. So we were focused on me getting like confetti videos, okay. which was great. But two, uh, we were we were more boys with Craig and Braggs at that point, not Joe. Yeah, okay. I was because in my head, like Joe is like six, seven, six, eight. Like he gives me like Notre Dame big, like second team all ACC vibes. Like he gives me Luke Herringody vibes. I think he's more Kyle McLarney than Luke Herringody. Okay, but that's Notre Dame, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you see the you you feel me with the, like the Notre Dame second team all ACC member. I think you're hinting on racist, but yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right. What's I mean, if, if you were giving me that last night, like, uh, the, oh, he, oh, he gives Notre Dame energy. What do you mean by that? I mean, fair point. Yeah, let's move on. Trent Frazier is goat, says the boys saw an issue and they solved it. I think he likes the morning episodes. That's good. Uh, Trent Frazier is goat goes on to say, I did some Luke Goody research. Senior year, I assume that means high school, 72 for 178 from three, 40%. Freshman year at Illinois, 16 for 43, 37%. Sophomore year, eight for 19, 42%. In real game scenarios, his last three full seasons playing basketball, he is 96 for 240, which is exactly 40%. In an Illinois uni, he's 24 for 62 at 38%. I'll take that over some preseason games. Let's put the debate to rest. He is a shooter. Your thoughts. This is where you messed up, uh, Mr. Frazier. Uh, if you're going to defend someone as a shooter, you cannot lead with high school three-point stats. And I think Luke Goody would agree with me. You're not, you cannot lead with that percentage as a stat because it's high school, the line is closer. And if I'm not mistaken, Luke Goody played at Homestead Christian. Like I, I you know, he was playing the fight in Craig Bowers. All right. Like, he wasn't necessarily playing the best competition. The line was extremely closer. Uh, it, I just, I, I see what you're saying. The stats line up in that case, but you just can't factor in high school three-point shooting. Where we're talking about being a good shooter at the college level. My issue with using these stats at the high school level is less that, like the stats don't matter. Like the, like the fact that he played high school shooting in high school doesn't matter. I disagree with that. My issue with using high school stats is high school stats are not accurate. Nobody who keeps high school stats Facts. is accurate with those. There, there, there is literally not a high school statistician that will get it correct. So if you want to show me that you watched the film of every Luke Goody game and then tallied the numbers, I will count those numbers. But until you tell me that, if you just got that from like a max preps profile that said he's a 40% shooter, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. And the larger issue with these numbers is not that you used high school numbers. The larger issue is that he shot 43 threes as a freshman and 19 threes as a sophomore. Do you know how little that is? for a quote-unquote shooter, this man has 
62 three-point attempts in two seasons. Injuries. I understand that, but injuries are part of the story of Luke Goody at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. shooters get attempts up. 62 threes in two seasons of over 62 games does not indicate that you are a high-quality college shooter. And so we're basically – that stat is basically asking us to go entirely off of high school numbers that I just don't believe are real. So, again, in concept, he's a great shooter. Has he ever done it at the college level? Don't think we can say that. Sorry, this is what it is. Travis Nelson, uh, (laughs) this is a very accurate comment. Not sure what hurt Greg more. The fact that Carter was saying yes to nearly every team except Texas or that Carter somehow thought Greg was out on Texas and confused him for someone else. That that definitely hurts you. That I confused you for somebody else. I was doing mental backflips on that for hours. I really was. I wish I could tell you who it was. I don't, but it, it, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You and I have just sat here on this show so many times and praised Texas together that mm-hmm. by the time we got to Texas, you were just like about it hurt me so much. Uh, moving on, Trent Frazier's back. He says, in that scenario, Illinois is the four seed. Kansas is the five seed, but they're fifth in net. <laughs> <laughs> might be accurate, honestly. That's so funny. That's, that's, so that, that's hilarious. Great comment, Trent. Crispy K. Is in the building. He says, I like the Dusty May to Louisville idea. I think he can stabilize that program. I cannot see Tang taking that job if offered. If he got his choice of nearly any job, why would he want to take over a program in shambles? Okay, but l- l- hear me out on this. Like when I he- when I think Jerome Tang, though, I think like he's gonna get guys there. And I might be completely wrong on this. We talked about this on previous episodes as far as us truly knowing what schools NILs are like. We, we typically lean on other people we know to let us know what it's like. But from the outside looking in, it, it to me, it seems like Louisville, uh, Louisville's like facilities and NIL and all that around that historic basketball program. They got a lot of people around there that are hungry for a winner. So if, you, if they hire Jerome Tang, all the boosters, all the NIL people, they're going to flood millions of dollars into that program. And he's going to get guys and Jerome Tang does great with guys. Like that's what we, that's what we know. You just give him some guys and he rolls the ball out there and he hoops with them. So I, I, I don't think it necessarily matters as much that he's taken over a program that's quote unquote in shambles. Yeah. I don't think there is such thing as an elite program being in shambles in the NIL portal era. I just don't I don't think that's accurate. I think uh, if your program has the donors and has the resources that Louisville does, you can be in shambles one year and then three months later be a top 10 program in the country. You just got to make it admissions process two factors into that. It, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. accurately. You just uh, you got to make the right hire. And yeah. Jerome Jerome Tang would be the right hire. I think Dusty May would be a good hire. Um, Tang would 100 percent take that job. In my opinion, I I don't Same. I don't think he would turn that down to stay at Kansas State if he had the opportunity. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're not. Boomfizzle seventy nine says, "What's more likely for FAU this season, and how much does it help or hurt Dusty's chances at a high profile job?" I don't think it hurts him at all, to be honest with you. Uh, and I I might be completely wrong, but I think that what he did last year 
with that FAU team will carry enough weight that unless he completely bottoms out this season, he'll be okay. And I don't think there's a chance they completely bottom out because they got the because of the conference that they're in and because of the talent they have. Yeah, I I think their big thing would just be like, do they lose their marquee non-conference games? Because FAU has a pretty great schedule this year. And uh, if they do, like if they just lose every marquee non-conference game comfortably, which I think is in the cards potentially, uh, I do think it would hurt Dusty's chances. I do. Like if, if this team just won the conference, lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and didn't beat anybody of substance, I don't think he's the hottest name in the coaching carousel. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Jack MCM, new Discord member, by the way. I believe he joined today. So round of Welcome, applause Jack. for Jack. Uh, thank you for being in the building. Jack MCM with the orange coat, a.k.a. he's an Illinois fan. Uh, I, I kept waiting for an Illinois fan to join the Discord, by the way, that was like strictly trying to troll us. Like I thought there would be someone who wanted to pay $9.99 just to like absolutely hate on us. <laughs> it didn't happen yet, which is great, knock on wood. But Jack MCM says, do you think Marquette losing Omax is getting overlooked? It seems like they're going to need a big jump from Ben Gold. Yeah, and I actually mentioned that on our Bleacher Report stream. It's There's so much like optimism put in, and I think every fan base is uh, falls victim to this. There's so much optimism with like, oh, this player with more minutes has shown enough flashes that if they get more minutes, they're going to look great in the role of the player that left that position. And that's just not how it works out sometimes. I mean, some guys are kind of just meant to be in that role and play that small role and play behind guys that do more than them. So uh, I know a lot of people have high hopes for Ben Gold and David Joplin, but it, you know, there's a world where that doesn't work out. And honestly, if you want to go off that scrimmage, it seems like that experiment's not doing what it's what they thought it would do at this point. I mean, they gave up that much points and they, and, but, and outside of the points, they got dominated by a good Michigan front court, but they got dominated by a Michigan front court. Uh, I'm going to say this, this is one of the most surprising things I've ever said. I'm probably the last person on earth who would ever say this, but I'm going to say this. I think we should throw out everything from the Marquette Michigan scrimmage both ways. Really? I think we should throw it out. I think, uh, the other scrimmages, the charity exhibitions have a lot more substantial basketball things that you can pick up on because they were run like real games and they were on television. Marquette, Michigan, we are going off of unconfirmed reports that nobody saw and it tallied up to an NBA box score in an NBA number of minutes with an NBA on steroids number of free throws and nobody witnessed it. That doesn't smell fishy to anybody. Like, it just, ah, I want it to be true so badly. I do. I'm a Michigan fan, but I don't think there's anything anyone should take from this that's real other than like, okay, Michigan competed. That's good. You you can take that. You can't condemn Marquette because of whatever the format was in this. With that said, I do think Omax is a huge loss, and I do think they're going to need a huge jump from Ben Gold. And uh, I don't know that they're going to get that. So they might be just a slightly watered-down version of the team they were last year, which is still a really, really good team. Trent Frazier is, go, is back. He says he needs the rundown on the Louisville drama that Trilly is alluding to. Please, I beg. I mean, do we want to address rumors? I know we're not really a rumor, rumor type podcast. I think you can speak lightly to the rumors. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'll speak lightly to the rumors. Allegedly, 
this is all allegedly, and actually this has been shot down by some people and some sources on Twitter, that there was an altercation between a coaching staff member and a player on the team, and that it wasn't just a yelling altercation, it turned into a physical altercation. And this is on the heels of losing to a Division II team at home for the second time in two seasons. I have a hard time, but, you know, I don't like feeding into rumors, but at the same time, if there was a player versus coach altercation that would happen, Louisville would make the top five list of schools that that would happen at based on the results that have happened as of recently. And I think if I'm correct on the backstory, it was a coach. You can draw your own conclusions on which coach it was. It was a coach and a player that did not play in the game. That was the story, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a back and forth between the coach and the player that didn't play in the game. Um, so allegedly, we don't know. We don't know for sure. But that's the story we've heard allegedly. Crazy story. I mean, uh, just adds credence to the concept of maybe the head coach is the head coach. He's he's not going to make it till Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would take the over-under on that, but uh, it gets dicier by the day every time we get it. It's like the Connor Stallions thing. Just every day it gets dicier and dicier. <laughs> uh, Dr. Crap is in the building. He says, with Bobby Knight's passing, RIP, which of you could throw a chair the farthest? Uh, I'll answer this truthfully, and I mean this with all my heart. Greg would throw it farther. <laughs> I want to know would- your explanation. Because you would you would attack it strategically. I would show up cocky, like I'm I'm stronger than you are. Like I know I, I know that I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna grab a chair, I'm just gonna toss it. I might catch like a tailwind at the top, blows the chair back. You're approaching this like an absolute killer in a minute. You're approaching this like it's a fantasy football trade. You're gonna have mental warfare games on me. You're gonna throw the chair low so that it skips and hits off something and gets an extra two yards. I don't have that in my game. I'm pure brute strength, grabbing the chair, Hulk, smash, throw it. And your your chair will go farther. Uh, okay. A couple things. I think one, you're right. I would 100% like try to gamesmanship my way into a victory here. And I would like my chances given that, uh, I think my approach on this truly, if you and I both had a chair in our arm at the same time, and we were both supposed to throw at the same time, my approach to you would be one of like, Oh, come on, Cart, You're so much stronger than me, dog. Like we're really, you really want to throw this the same way. Like that's fair. And see if I could convince you to like, try and one arm this just to prove that you can beat me. And then in reality, I beat you. And you probably would like agree to that knowing you, like you would probably think you could beat me with one arm. And in that case, you probably wouldn't. What I would add though, is uh, I was a pitcher. Like that was the thing. I don't know if you even knew that baseball was my original best sport. Hand-eye stuff has always been my thing that involves throwing that involves swinging. I'm a lanky guy. Uh, I know how to use my plus wingspan. I do have a plus wingspan. That's a real thing. So uh, like anything involving jumping, anything involving speed, not my game. Anything involving using my arms to do something, I'm better than you would think at. So I would like my chances to throw. But also I'm a four-year track and field athlete. Well, field athlete. Yeah, so that's exactly what this is. This is that's this what. Is a field by the way, a, by the way, Craig said that in comments. He said Carter was a field athlete. I was. Uh, that's what I did. I threw the shot put. and I threw the discus. He certainly didn't do track. 
You're really sleepy. You know how track do you ever run track and field? No, I went to the track and field meets though. I yeah, I have you don't understand how little I've ever wanted to run ever. I you know they did uh they did big man relays though. Like they during the track and field events, at least near me, they let the throwers, the field athletes get into the actual track events. And I must say, I was special. Is that just like a participation trophy thing? So like, a, no. hey, oh, oh, the real meet ended. Let's let the big men run. No, like we were on the podium and I was special. All right. I'd like to see film of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Country day different. We know that big time, big time athlete producing factory. I respect it. Uh, Dr. Crap responded to this, though, and said, I think Greg can at least make a very specific case for himself, albeit probably an irrational one. I love how much Dr. Crap is in tune with me mentally, though. Like he <laughs> he knows exactly what the approach is going to be. And I think he's right. I think I made a very specific, irrational case that I could win. And ultimately, Carter agreed that that was correct. So uh, score one for the good guys. That's a win. Great job. Comment section today. Once again, you uh, you guys make this fun. You make us look forward to this every single day. Now, every single night. As we sit here at 11.24 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, November 1st, recording Thursday, November 2nd's episode. Uh, you make it fun. I look forward to it. Hey, Cart, I uh, told you I want to put you on the spot with a third topic later in the show. I'm also going to mm-hmm. put you on the spot right now because uh, just point blank, I've had about six Jack and Diets tonight, and I'm thirsty. I need a water. So I'm going to run upstairs and get a water, and I don't feel like editing this out of the episode later. So I'm going to need you to just carry the show solo for about 60 to 80 seconds. If you want to give a plug for the Discord, go ahead. If you want to talk about your own secret little private topic, if you want to make jokes at my expense, anything you want to is fair game here. But I need you to carry the show for 60 to 80 seconds. I'll be back in a moment. Okay. Thank you. This kind of feels like I don't know if people watch TikTok where they do the experiment where the parent like leaves a piece of chocolate or like a snack right there. And they're like, don't touch it until I come back. And the kid doesn't know that they're recording them. And they're like, Oh God, I'm touching the snack or whatever. Uh, I guess I'll do a quick discord plug here. If you're not in the discord, I truly just recommend it because what this is, this is the way I look at it. You can join for one month and you can see what we're talking about and see that we're being truthful about it and that it's a great community. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to support us, connect with us, connect with other people. We have all different fan bases in there. We also have different creators in there as well. I mean, Tristan's able to share his work. Joe's able to share his work. Um, and it's honestly a really great thing we're building over there. So I highly recommend coming to it. Um, and honestly, Greg did that way faster than I ever imagined. So, Greg, welcome back. Thank you. I have a fish. Uh, I brought I brought a fish back. It's just a dog toy fish, but thought I'd bring it back. You were plugging the Discord, I think I heard? Yes, I did. Nice. Yeah. Great place. You should join. Uh, this is my fish for anybody watching. Just a nice little fish. Let's get to the show. You ready for the topics? Please. Should be a fun time. Let's start with... Uh, Let's start with betting lines, actually. Uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to start with betting lines. Betting lines are out for night one of the college basketball mm-hmm. season. For those that don't know, we're looking ahead to Monday. That is exactly five days from when we're recording this, four days from the time you're listening to this. There's a lot of games, not a lot of good games, but there's a lot of games, and there are a lot of lines. I think there's roughly 30, no, mo- way more than 30. There's like 100 mm-hmm. betting lines out right here. Uh, I've scrolled through this. I have a couple that catch my eye immediately. We are, of course, a betting show. Uh, For those that don't know, I do my daily picks. And what that looks like is three 
picks I put to my Twitter every single day during college basketball season. Three consecutive years, I have hit roughly 30 games over 500 over the course of the year. I intend to do that again. We're five days from the season. There's a lot in flux right now. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, given uh, my job developments. I don't know if I'm going to keep that ungated for free. I don't know if I'm going to ask people to pay for it. I don't know if I'm going to give it to the people of the Discord, and that's it. There's a lot up in the air. I'm trying to figure it out. The point is, I'm going to be doing the picks. I just don't know where they're going to be going. So uh, betting is going to be a big part of what Carter and I do during the college basketball season from a content perspective, even if that's just on this very show. And that starts right now, Cart, because let's get a very early look at week one's betting lines. What jumps out to you as the best value on night number one of the college basketball season? Before I jump into this, Greg, can I get a one quick word sentence? Because I think a lot of people who bet on the first week of college basketball, they always have a way to approach it. Some like to stay away. Some are scared of the space and the opportunity because you haven't watched these teams do something. You haven't watched these teams do anything. Is there one thing that you look for when you look at these games or do you just kind of do what you do naturally and just trust it and understand that you know the facts, know the stats and know the team at this point? I have one word for you trust Mm. the first week of the college basketball season from a betting perspective which historically if you look back through my daily picks has been more profitable for me than the end of the season as crazy as that is i actually think there is a better value at the beginning of the season than there is at the end of the season i think you can beat the computers before the computers know that you're beating them the end of the season they catch up uh, you got to trust your gut. You got to trust your reads. You got to trust that you know better than the analytics models when there's not data from the games where the discrepancies are. I have some very clear teams I've circled that I think are undervalued or overvalued. And that is how I will be betting the first couple nights. I love that energy. And that leads me into my first pick and the one I feel the best about an opening night. And that is the Purdue Boilermakers minus 19 and a half at home versus Sanford. Let me walk you through this. I'm getting, in my eyes, no, in everyone's eyes, a top three team in the country at home against a Sanford team that has Riley Allen Spatch, a 6'11 freshman who has the face of Riley Davis, and then Zach Loveday, who's a seven-footer from Baylor, who in every year at Baylor could not manage to touch the floor whatsoever. Hey, hey, no Zach Loveday disrespect on the show. Really? I love Zach Loveday. Just, I mean, his name's Loveday. Okay, respect that. But also respectfully, I can get Purdue to win by 20 points. I think Purdue could play a bad game and somehow stumble their way to winning by 20 points. At first, when I saw this, I was shocked and I was like, wait a minute, why is it only 19 and a half? Then I looked too deeper. Now I look deeper into it. I'm like, this is this is an opening day gift from the betting gods. Purdue minus 19 and a half is my favorite play, I think, of the opening weekend. I had that one circled. Um, I'm going to go back to you in a moment. But yeah, that that was my actual 1A play. So we are aligned to start. Uh, yeah, quick number for you that I'm sure will be read on my Daily Picks video. Purdue last season. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the projections for this season. I'm not looking at last season. Some things that Purdue did last season. Uh, they played some very bad teams. They beat them pretty handily every single time. They beat Milwaukee by 31 points. They beat Austin P by 19 points. They beat uh, New Orleans by 21 points. They beat Florida A&M 
by 33 points. They didn't play a ton of super cupcakes, but until they got to the NCAA tournament against fairly Dickinson, <laughs> they beat up on those cupcakes. Uh, I'm not even saying Samford is a cupcake. I don't think they are, but uh, I do think this is a statement game for a very deep Purdue team that is just very good and should win this game by 25 to 30 points. With you on that one, can I try to guess what your 1A play is? I, well, that was my 1A play. Oh, can I guess your 1B then? You can, yeah. Is it is it Ohio State minus 19 and a half? No, uh, that one actually scares me a lot. Why does that? Why does that scare you? Talk to me on that. Because I think back to the point of the Joe Jackson podcast we did last night. Um, I think we kind of we got in over our skis on Ohio State a little bit, just a little bit. Nothing crazy, mm-hmm. but like just a little bit. You know, like every mm-hmm. every everybody looked at this team and was like. Last year was a fluke. They return a lot. They're going to be fine. We like what they added. Also, like, isn't there a flip here that they were horrible and they lost their best player? Oh, is that their best player? You you told me they're not. That's not their best player. Well, he I thought he hurt them in every single aspect. But like that is a flip, right? Like there there is a world where it becomes clear that like Ohio State was just awful last year and they lost their best player, right? Like that is a possible where I need to see it. I wouldn't touch Ohio state until two weeks into the season is the point. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you the only thing that scares me is that last season, I think back to Cleveland state. That was a team Cleveland state lost to Notre Dame college, a D two school. And I bet, and I can't remember the team who it was, but it was a, it was a pretty good basketball team to beat Cleveland state and cover pretty easily based on their division two loss results. And that bit me in the ass. But this one's a little different to me because I have two results to go off of for Ohio State's opponent. Oakland lost to Walsh College and honestly wasn't wasn't really a game. Walsh was leading for most of the game, leading for all the game and won pretty handily. And they let two guys from Walsh go for over 28 points. Okay. I think that Ohio State is talented enough offensively to be better than guys from Walsh. Now Walsh is a good D2, don't get me wrong won their conference last year, but they lost to that team. Following that up, they beat Wayne State, another Division II team. Now, Oakland won this game. They won by 15 points, close at halftime, close for most of the game. Wayne State is picked to finish second to last in the GLIAC, which is a Division II basketball uh, basketball division, basketball conference. Uh, and they're picked to finish second to last to a very, very bad Purdue Northwest team, which – receive literally the only team in the conference to not receive a vote to finish outside of last place. That's how bad they are. So if I can get Ohio state to win by 20 points at home against an Oakland team that lost to a D two and that struggled, but ended up pulling away from a bad D two school. I guess I'm just taking those odds. I don't hate that. Um, Yeah. I just, I want to see it. That's where I'm at. There are certain teams where like no offense, but I just don't feel confident enough either way. Um, and I think Ohio State 100% applies to that for me. Uh, I have a couple other games I circled, but before I get to the others that I circled, I want to ask you about your Spartans on opening night. Mm-hmm. Michigan State uh, does have a game. It's late for some reason. I don't know why it's not like a, a 7 o'clock game here. It's all the way eight, at 8. 8.30, 8 I believe, right? 8.30. I don't like it. I love how locked in you are, though. 15 and a half? For the number four team in the country, 15 and a half against James Madison. What do you think? Not touching that. Why? 
not touching that. And honestly, if I was a if I was to place it, it'd be on James Madison plus 15 and a half. That feels crazy to me. Uh, Michigan, I mean, based off the past couple, I mean, you spoke to so much about how Michigan State is the same team that they have always been. They are a slow starting team. They had games that were close last year against Buffalo. They had games last year that were close against the likes of Oakland. Uh, there's just games that they should blow teams out that they don't necessarily blow out. And they, I can see them easily win this game by 14 points. And I like, guess. And, and 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 don't get me wrong, I don't think it'll be close because I think it'll be like a, they're leading by 20 all game. You're feeling OK, leading by 17. You're feeling good and winning by 14 points. That's just kind of how it is. And James Madison is a pretty good program, too, by the way. Like they made the tournament two years ago. Uh, they're kind of like a classic, plucky, good, low major, like mid-major school. Um, not necessarily familiar with what they were this past season, but just thinking on my recent memory of James Madison, they are considered a good mid-major team. Like that's a pretty solid mid-major game. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a cupcake to start the year. Come on, <laughs> really? I, I wouldn't consider that a. I wouldn't that's consider that what a we're cupcake. doing. That that James Madison is a tough game to start the year. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think like I think like Eastern Washington or something like that, or Eastern Illinois would be a cupcake to start the year. Uh, I don't even know what else to other team. James Madison does not fall in that category. Okay, I mean they were twenty two and eleven last year. They're not a bad basketball team by any means, but um, I don't know. I like you're, you're Michigan State. You're fourth in the country. You should win that game comfortably. I would think. I don't think you're like if you win that game by eleven, you're not a little like yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very eh about it, but I can see it happening. That's the thing. Okay, my gut says Michigan State wins that handily, but uh, we'll see. Okay, I, <laughs> I, I thought I would dread this slate. I got to be honest. Like everybody has downplayed this and been like, "Oh, it's so ugly. What a waste of time." I'm already so excited for this slate. I have so many games <laughs> I want to bet. I like we've just talked about a handful of them. I want to bet Michigan State to cover. We already talked about Purdue to cover. Uh, I have four that jump out at me immediately. By the time daily daily picks gets here, I will whittle this down to at minimum three, maybe five. It could be a five pick slate, uh, or I could do something completely differently because I might paywall some of this. I still don't know how it works. But can I run through my four real quick that I feel pretty good about? Please do. Lindenwood is playing Nebraska at Nebraska. The line is Lindenwood plus twenty three. I'm all over Lindenwood plus 23. Talk, talk to me, Gregory. Uh, yes. I, so I want to look at Nebraska and what they did last season, Cart, because 23 points. I know we're not a math podcast. 23 points is a lot of points, is it not? Yes. 23 points, in fact, is so many points. How many times do you think Nebraska covered 23 points last season? Once. One time. Carter in 32 games, Nebraska covered 23 points once. Uh, and that was in a 24 point win at home against Arkansas Pine Bluff. I don't think Nebraska is built to beat anyone by 23 points. If you listen to Joe Jackson's pod last night, I think this Nebraska team is worse than last year's Nebraska team. And in fact, Kisei Tomonaga might be hurt. We don't know. We haven't heard anything. We saw him hurt his ankle and it looked really bad. So uh, I really hope, knock on wood, I hope Kisei is available for this game. Even if he is available for this game, I would not expect him to play like 35 minutes and take 30 shot attempts like I think he will later in the year. 23 points is a ton of points. That's a crazy number for a team that might not have their 
do everything superstar. So I'm all over Lindenwood plus 23. Uh, my next one, St. Louis. This is the Shaheen Holloway Bowl. St. Louis is hosting um, – or, or no, I'm sorry. That's Saint, not Saint, – St. Saint, Peter's and Seton Saint, Hall. St. Saint Peter's and Seton Hall. I'm sorry. I yes. had it wrong. I literally added the wrong game in my DraftKings app. But uh, I was circling St. Peter's. That's what I wanted to get to. This is the Shaheen Holloway Bowl. Uh, I believe they're 16-point favorites is the number right now. Uh, Seton Hall is over St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. Last season, Seton Hall hosted St. Peter's, and everybody thought it was going to be like, a, ooh, Shaheen's going to take it easy type game. He won by 36 points. He won 80-44 to 44 at home against his old program. He poured it on them. Uh, I think this Seton Hall team should be better. I think they should take a step forward in year two. I'm not expecting anything crazy, but I, I just would expect Shaheen Holloway's team to be a little more complete and look like a Shaheen Holloway team in year two. Uh, 16 points, not a ton of points. So I think uh, they should absolutely win big. I'm all over Seton Hall in that spot. Number three, it this is the game of the day to me. USC against Kansas State. It's a neutral site in Las Vegas. Uh, This is the one game everyone should want to watch, if not bet. But you know us. We're going to have a bet on it. Who do you think we're betting in this spot, Cart? USC minus three against Kansas State on a neutral site in Las Vegas. Who do you think we're betting? I think we're betting on Isaiah Kyler and Boogie Ellis. Yeah, dang, I'm skippy we are. There's no chance. There's no chance, with all due respect, to Jerome Tang. We love Jerome Tang. There's no way we're not betting on the more fun backcourt here. And Tyler Perry might be great. We might be wrong. Arthur Kaluma might be the best bad basketball player. He might be the worst good basketball player. We still don't know. Hopefully we'll find out by the end of the season. I think there's going to be a huge adjustment. I think there's going to be a massive, holy shit, he's not Keontae Johnson moment for Jerome Tang in this game. Holy shit, that's not Marquise Noel. Uh, Jerome Tang is going to be in the locker room 10 minutes before the game realizing, whoa, these guys don't like little baby. What do I do? Like that's, that's messy for me. Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier have none of these concerns. Bronny James will not be available. Those dudes are going to be the best two players on the court. And I think this is a breakout moment for Isaiah Collier. And uh, you can try and tell me Las Vegas is a neutral site for this game. I don't think Las Vegas is going to be a neutral site for this. I think there's going to be. it would be USC fans. Greg, Greg, Gregory, I was in California on my West Coast trip, and I flew to Vegas before I went to Mount Zion and Zion National Park with my wife. It It's a 45-minute flight, and you can go round trip for like 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be filled with USC fans, and I want you to take two more points into this game as well. Naquan Tomlin, one of my favorite players, not going to play for Kansas State. Number two. Kobe Johnson is one of the best defenders in the country. He is the perfect player to have a player like Arthur Kaluma in hell. Let yeah. that be known. And I, and all the other reasons you said, I'm with you on. We're aligned on that. And at the end of the day, this is going to be the first of many games that I have money riding on the fact that I can bet on a backcourt of Isaiah Collier and, and Boogie Ellis. Boogie. Yeah. Yeah, I'd bet that line up to like seven and a half, honestly. <laughs> it's it's three. It feels good. Uh, and then the final one that I have circled right now, again, I have to whittle this down by the time the, the games get here. But uh, you, you said it won't be the last time. It'll be the first of many times we bet on USC 
It's also going to be the first of many nights of the season. We bet on New Mexico to close this yeah, night. Let's go. New, New Mexico is 17-point favorites at home against Texas Southern in one of the latest games of the night. It's 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And if you think for one second we're not going to get to like 9.27 p.m. Eastern and then you and I are going to shoot each other a quick FaceTime or a text that's like, three minutes till New Mexico. How's your bankroll looking like the truth is we're putting whatever we have on New Mexico to cover in that spot. Uh, it's, it's a pastime for us to bet New Mexico is the final game of the night and either go to bed happy or sad based on what Jalen house does for us. The truth is this team brings a lot of important pieces back. We like New Mexico. John Fanta just picked New Mexico to go to the final four tonight. I can't believe I heard that. I listened to the field of 68 after dark. He he predicted that. We're supposed to be the New Mexico guys. And John Fanta just picked them to the final four. I feel like we have to outdo him somehow. But, uh, yeah, Texas Southern, there's nothing notable about. I'll provide some real research when the, the season gets here. But just like a mid-200s Ken Palm team, New Mexico should be good. Yeah, they're gonna, they are going to be good. I mean, Jalen House, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Donovan Dent, they got Nelly Joseph Jr. from Ionia. Like, they're going to be really, really good. And also, that's not going to be the last game of the night. Just let that be known. Because if we don't win our New Mexico bet, we're going to shift to the midnight game, which is probably like Pacific versus Hawaii. And we're going to find some value. But go, but just let, I just want to let that be known as well. In like three days, when we end a betting segment like this, I'll be able to plug whatever our betting content is. Right now, I can't because I still don't even know where it's going to be or what it looks like. But uh, know that there will be a lot of betting content coming from the two of us collectively. We've been doing the college football newsletter. Honestly, I would love to do a written form during college basketball season, and I may have the bandwidth to do that now. I don't know that Carter does, but uh, between the two of us, we'll come up with something that should be a good product for people. And uh, at minimum, my daily picks will be there every single day of the season. So we'll find a way to give that to you in some form if you're looking for gambling content. More to come from us. Let's move to the one exhibition we want to talk about from tonight. Uh, and I'm not speaking of Brooks Barnheiser's breakout night, by the way. I figured you would want to work that into the show somehow. Uh, do you want to read his line real quick? It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, damn, Skippy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Let me pull it up. I, I'm, I, people think like I'm I'm messing around and I'm joking. He's going to be the Robin to Boo Booey's Batman. And I'm letting you know right now, he's going to be a better Robin than Chase Audige was, by the way. Let that be known. We'll see about that. We'll see. Uh, I, I promise. I promise you, he will be. Hold on one second. Let me find this. He his stat line tonight in a scrimmage. In a scrimmage, by the way, I know you don't. I know how you feel about scrimmages. Twenty nine points, seven rebounds, four assists, five steals, and four blocks. Was that supposed to mean I don't care about scrimmages? This is also look at look look at this man. <laughs> he looks like guy. Yeah, he looks like guy <laughs> with HGH. Yeah, I uh, I can't believe you're acting like I don't care about scrimmages, though. Like, do you know me? You just started saying that we should throw the Marquette-Michigan scrimmage out the window. You only the, Mar- only the Marquette one because it wasn't a real scrimmage. This was a, this is from a scrimmage. This is from an exhibition. Exhibition different than a scrimmage. Secret scrimmage, not real. Exhibition, real. Okay, I, I, I just had to check. Okay, yeah, it's a different thing. Uh <laughs> I want to overreact to everything, man. Don't minimize that. I'm glad Brooks did great. Uh, can we call Brooks a friend of the show? I think he has he, he's shown love to the show, even though he hasn't come on the show, right? Yeah, he follows me on Twitter. Yeah, the fact that Brooks follows you on Twitter but hasn't 
put me in contact with Boo yet is really hurtful on an individual level. Yeah. Uh, also, random fact, when we do go to Chicago, we got to go to Halo Burger and get the Boo Booey Burger. Like, he has his own NIL burger. We can absolutely do that. We're also going to be playing one-on-one for the one credential we have to the Champions Classic. So stay tuned for that. There should be some fun content coming from us in the next week. But, uh, okay, we, we're not here to talk about Northwestern Chicago. We're here to talk about Purdue. The uh, best team in the Big Ten on paper to start the season is the Purdue Boilermakers. We have spent all week questioning what we're seeing from them because they lost the scrimmage to Arkansas. But more importantly than a win or a loss, we have not been fans of the Lance Jones in the starting lineup tweak that Matt Painter has been running. Well, tonight they played Grace Carter. They played Grace. I don't mean your sister. I mean Grace University. Grace. I don't know what it is. Grace University, Grace College. The final score was Purdue 98, Grace 51. Purdue had 50 points in the first half, 48 in the second half. Uh, By all accounts, this was an evisceration. With that said... I watched this game. I truly did. I have the box score in front of me. I'll just read some numbers, and then we'll get into what was notable from this game. Uh, first of all, do you know there's two firsts on this Purdue team? I I did not know that. I don't. I did not know where Josh first came from. He's got to yeah, be related to Caleb, right? There's a Caleb first and a Josh first. I don't like that. Just for the record, but. Uh, just to get get into numbers, Zach Eady obviously led the team. Uh, he played 17 minutes in this game. He finished with 19 points in 17 minutes, 6 for 12 from the floor. And notably, he attempted a 3, but he did not make it. Uh, pretty much everybody else on this team played under 20 minutes. In fact, the only player on the Purdue team that cracked the 20-minute mark was Camden Heidi. Everybody else played under 20 minutes. It was super balanced. He played like every single guy that's going to play for this team between 12 and 17 minutes. Um, Ethan Morton was out for 17 great minutes of cardio. He was 0 for 2 from the floor, 2 assists, 1 rebound, nothing else notable. Willie Berg, randomly, with a kind of a breakout Berg game. He was 5 for 8 from the floor in 12 minutes, finished with 11 points. And uh, Lance Jones, the much-talked-about, much-maligned, aforementioned Lance Jones, 5 for 8 from the floor, 3 for 6 from the 3-point line. He finished with 13 points in 14 minutes. Uh, We did, on our show earlier today, we did Lance Jones or three other guys. Well, tonight... Lance Jones finished with 13 points. If you add up Cam Heidi, Brian Waddell, and Miles Colvin, they finished with 13 points. Three guys adding up to what you got from one in Lance Jones tonight. Uh, I haven't even mentioned Smith or Lawyer, but I'll just throw it to you before we do any numbers on those two. What What'd you think of Purdue tonight? I'm going a, I'm to a be careful with my words here. Um, before the Arkansas scrimmage, all I heard was this scrimmage doesn't matter. This is just getting them ready. This exhibition is just getting Purdue ready. It's going to make them better at the end of the year. And all that might be true. And honestly, I probably agree with that. I think that them playing an exhibition on the road at Bud Walton versus an Arkansas team that they struggle with that archetype or that prototype of a team. That's good for them. That's good to do. What you can't do is bounce back, and when they do this against Grace College, then all these narratives change that, oh, you were wrong about Lance Jones. You were wrong about all these other guys. Like, look what they did in this game. This is what they should do in this game. This this Lance Jones should knock down shots against Grace College. 
It is uh, facing Grace College is a good game for a six-one-three man to get shots off and have a good game. I expect him to do that, and I know Craig's going to listen to this. And I love my boy Craig Bowers, and I like bringing him up when we're talking about Purdue. But before I tuned in to the game and then watched Matthew Love's b-ball afterwards, I was watching Craig's tweets, and he was sending a lot of tweets about Camden Hyde and what he was doing and how active he looked and how he was making some very, very athletic plays. Camden Hyde's box score, one for four, one for two from three, five points and five boards. It's I'm it's it's just like I don't know. I you can't flip the narrative when they're playing a team like this. This is what they should do. I don't take anything from this game. Honestly, the one thing I take from this game is that we might have to have a conversation about the TKR breakout sophomore season, Greg. Are we concerned about that at this point? I think that's my one takeaway. Yes, we are. I want to get to that in a second, but first I want to push back on you on Heidi. I think that was a little bit harsh. Here's why. I do think from watching this game, I'm willing to say like oh my God, red alert on Colvin. I'm willing to say, oh my God, red alert on Waddell, who's giving them nothing in these games. Heidi played the most minutes on the team. I think that's notable because this game meant nothing. Painter could have done whatever he wanted. Tonight he said, let me get Heidi 21 minutes. Let me get nobody else on this team 20 minutes, but let me get Heidi 21 minutes. Second, if Heidi played 40 minutes, because he played 21 minutes tonight, right? If he played 40 minutes, I know you're not a per 40 guy. <laughs> Do you know what he did tonight if he played 40 minutes? What? 10 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Can you do you have do you have a Ethan Morton's per 40 stats handy? Do you want Ethan Morton's 40 from tonight? Yeah. If Ethan, if Ethan Morton played 40 minutes tonight, he would have finished with 0 points, 4 assists and 2 rebounds. Okay. Cardio Morton Camden Heidi, 10, 10, and 6, though. Like, that, that is notable, right? It was a meaningless game. He played the most minutes, and he was the most productive wing. Like, that, that is meaningful to me. I think uh, I'm still very worried about it. I'm very worried about everybody that's not Lance Jones that's a wing on this team. And quite frankly, I'm worried about Lance Jones. But Heidi, to me, is the guy I can actually see factoring in based on what we've seen now through two competitive games. And uh, I'm throwing out everything from the overseas trip because, man, there's overseas trips. Like some teams go on an overseas trip and it's like, okay, we're going to play some professional teams. I don't know where the hell Purdue was. I don't know who they found. <laughs> I, like that was that was barely an overseas trip. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I think your overseas trip, wherever you went, played more competitive teams than Purdue did. Um, and then they had the scrimmage in Mackey that was like the black and gold game. And I swear like Rafael Davis and Robbie Hummel and I don't know who else probably – Glenn Robinson were in the building. Like it just, I'm willing to throw out every single thing we've seen until these two games. But I think these two games matter. And I'm very unimpressed with the wings, but I have my eye on Heidi because I think he's getting more of an opportunity. And I think he's doing more with his opportunity than the other wings are. With that said, the the story of this game for me is not like, oh, Purdue turned a corner or they looked better. I don't think they did. I think they looked like a top 10 team in the country should against Grace. Like, kudos, pat on the back. Um, Edie, Edie was 6 for 12, man. Edie's not as dominant in either of these games as he was all of last season. I'm sure he will be. I'm not, I'm not worried at all about Zach Edie. 
But I am like, ha. You're not doing what he did last year. That, that that's too straight. That's too straight. I'm just that's too straight. Ah. And 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 we're, and we're a podcast that's fair, right? And we're a podcast that tells it how it is. We just got off our last episode, and I mentioned that in the Indiana game that I watched, Kalel Ware is a player that should be dominating in games like this. And that's two straight games that I feel like Zach Eady just hasn't been Zach Eady. So am I worried about it? No, like you said. But facts of the matter is that's two straight games where Zach Eady has not been Zach Eady. And the last game, I give it a little bit of a break exhibition against Arkansas. Okay, I give him a little bit of slack. But uh, then once again against this team, uh, the, the questions start to fester in the back of my head. Like I said, he's going to go back-to-back National Player of the Year. He's going to be good the rest of the season. But there is a little, small, minuscule, microscopic piece of me that's like, this is two games in a row where Zach Eady has not been Zach Eady. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not worried about him. He's going to be fine. But I am like, okay, he hasn't done it in two games. Like, but I'm, I fully expect to come back here after game three and be like, oh, Edie's back. He looks great. But yeah. uh, through, through two, you're right. Here's my issue with tonight. Some guys were good tonight. Don't think it was any of the guys that mattered. I don't think that's good. Um, let, let me just run through what I mean by that. But like, ooh, Willie Berg breakout. That means nothing for Purdue this year. <laughs> like, no, Willie Berg can be as good as he wants against Grace and whoever else they play in exhibition. It just doesn't matter. Willie Berg is the future. And if he's the future, that's good. It's great that Purdue has the next guy lined up. It doesn't matter for this team whatsoever. Lance Jones, it's good to see him shoot well, especially after how harsh I have been individually on Lance Jones. Uh, he was five for eight tonight. He was three for six. I'm not going to completely shrug that off like you did. I know you said he should do it. He should do it. I give him credit for doing it. It matters that he did it, right? It, it absolutely matters that he did it. Um, I hope he does that next game against a good team, and then we can feel stronger about it. The larger issue is, uh, like, their wings are still such a trouble spot, man. Even when Lance Jones was good tonight. Like, let me read you some numbers from the combined wings tonight. Because they all got minutes. tonight. Like, last game against Arkansas, they didn't get minutes. Tonight, they all got minutes. Let me add some things up here. Fletcher Lawyer... Miles Colvin, Brian Waddell, Cam Heidi, and Ethan Morton combined from the floor. I'm going to do the math live on the podcast right now. This is tougher than I thought. Uh, <laughs> five for 24 from the floor tonight. Those guys, Fletcher Lawyer, Colvin, Waddell, Heidi, Morton combined. Five for 24 from the floor. Now I'm going to do three pointers because I think it's going to get even uglier. Uh, Fletch, Fletch, Fletch with one for five. Two for 13 from that group of five guys. These guys have to give this team minutes. Like mm-hmm. it, they just, I, Braden Smith and Zach Eady are good. That group of guys has to play. And I like Fletch is going to be fine. I think Fletch is going to have games where he goes for 20. And then I think he's going to have games where he goes for two on one of five from the floor. I just think that's who he is. I think Purdue can be really good, even if he is that. But if that's who Fletch is, then that means you need Colvin or Heidi or Morton or Gillis or uh, Jones to be good. Like you just need, or Waddell, somebody in that group has to be good. And all indications right now are that none of them are good. 
If Lance yeah. Jones is the guy, that's that's still terrifying to me, even though he shot well tonight. Yeah, and and I've I've been on record saying that I think Fletch is going to have a a really good sophomore season, and I think he's going to be really good. And when I look at this Purdue team, and I just put it as simply as I can, Edie Braden Smith. I'm not worried about either of those two players. I think they're going to be really good. I think Fletch is going to be really good too, but I think it would help Fletch out immensely if when they need somebody to help out Braden Smith and help out Edie, it doesn't always have to be him. Like if they can get a little bit somewhere else from the, from the wing position, I think it'll really help this team. And honestly, like at some point, I'll be interested to see if Painter just completely just throws out the whole three man, like trying to figure out who it is and just goes Mason Gillis and just rides with the old guy who can has had games in his career where he's hit like eight threes and just see where that goes. Cause I feel like eventually that's what it's going to end up being. Yeah. I, I think you're 100% right. Um, man, uh, you mentioned it. Coffin Ren. Are we doing the, the red flag? Are we doing that? He was the breakout guy all summer. It was, look how good Kaufman Ren is. It's, oh my God, he's added to his game. He's going to be versatile. He's going to be able to play next to Edie. We said, without Zach Edie, Purdue's still a top 10 team in the country because of how in we were on Trey Kaufman Ren. Well, he looks horrible next to Zach Edie right now. He just yeah. does. He's not, he's not doing a thing. Yeah, clunky, doesn't look like it fits. And it's not like a it's going to get fixed either. I think it might be, it is what it is. Like he's just not going to work next to Edie. Two points, three rebounds, two assists in 14 minutes tonight. Oh, for one from the free throw line. He continues to struggle there. He didn't attempt a three pointer night. Um, I don't know what to say. I think Kaufman Ren's incredibly talented. I do. Uh, I just feel like he, he's wasting away. Like it's just clearly not the role for him. Right. Like yeah, if he, he, needs, if, he, he needs to be a five. He needs to be a five. And I'd almost rather, like, given what we know he is, I I almost think it's just better for him to just be the backup center than it is. Like, last year they started first at the four. Then they started Gillis sometimes. They kind of cycled in and out of it. It was never like, oh, that's Kaufman Wren's spot. I think the hope was, given how much better Kaufman Wren got this summer, it's like, oh, we got to reward him and let him play the four and see how it works. I don't think that's best for him. I just I, like, are you really, you're telling me you want Kaufman Ren's minutes in this game to be the fifth option as the four in a really clunky fit with Edie. Wouldn't it just be better to have him play eight minutes a game and be the go-to center in those eight minutes? Yeah, I think it would be. Um, and now that that spurns another question, we can, we can move on, but I do want to get this from you because I have in my head what my ideal Purdue lineup is at this point and what I think gives them the best chance to win. What is it? Braden Smith, Flesh and Lawyer, Mason Gillis, Caleb First, Zach Eady. I'm not in on first. I think the other four I'm in on. Who would you rather have instead of first? So you so you 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 do your lineup. Who are you putting in instead of first? That's the thing. I think all the wings are are not deserving. <laughs> I don't think mm-hmm. any of them are. And you have to pick, there is just, there's no way to get a lineup. There's no way to get a five-man lineup that doesn't include one of these wings that is really underperforming right now. Um, I think Coffin Wren's still better than any of the wings are. I really do. But I don't love the clunkiness of Coffin Wren with Edie. I, I, like, do, do, do you think Coffin Wren's better than first? 
I do. I do. I think okay. uh see I, I see I've went I've swung on it. I don't think he is. Not I think I think if you're just doing the five best players on Purdue's team position non-specific, I think you're you're Edie Smith, Lawyer, Kaufman, Ren Gillis. I think that's a clear top five. The problem is I don't think you want to play Kaufman, Ren, and Gillis and Edie together. So if you're going Gillis, you're going Gillis at the four, which means you now have to choose a three that I think even Matt Painter is underwhelmed with. So I uh man, the more we talk this through. I know I keep saying I'm holding Purdue stock. We ranked him number two on our Bleacher Report preseason rankings today. That's down for me from number one in a week. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a really hard time with this. We can't even name an end of game lineup we feel decent about. I like I imagine if this is Michigan State, not to like compare, because I still think Purdue is better than Michigan State, but like Michigan State could we could have nine different lineups we feel good about because Michigan State's deep. Like mm-hmm. you, could, you could pick guys off Michigan State's bench and be like, those guys are great. Let's play them. Purdue, you're like, we have three good players and nothing else. Like, I don't I don't want to play any of these guys right now. And that's really, really scary to me that he didn't upgrade in any way because Heidi and Colvin were supposed to be that. And they're just clearly not through a week of the season. Now, again, we're overreacting a month into the season. They could emerge. They absolutely could. Um, but for now, to answer your question. We're going Smith, Lawyer, Gillis, Edie. We're going Camden, Heidi at the three. Yeah. I I do like that lineup in theory. I think he'll in do theory. things. I think I think he's the only guy you can put at the three that will do things. Straight up, I think Jones mm-hmm. you'll put out there and he'll shoot and he won't do anything else. I think you put uh, Morton out there, he'll get cardio in. I don't think anybody else would do anything. So that's my lineup. Good job, Purdue. Blowout win. We'll see what happens. We'll keep evaluating you. I feel like we were pretty tough on the Boilermakers tonight. Uh, we also said we were I'm betting them ni- minus 19 and a half against Sanford. I feel great about that. Lock it in. Let's end on yeah. that note. Yeah. Final topic. This is a surprise topic. I didn't tell you what it was because I'm excited to see where you go with this. I'm just going to put you on the spot. And we're not going to do the thing where I unveil a topic and then we each give like three answers. This is extremely pointed. It's just it is one answer. That's it. And then I want you to explain your answer. Who is the worst team that can win the national championship this season? While you think, I want to give you a minute to think so you get a prepared answer. Okay. This is coming, the, where this originated from me. I watched the Field of 68 after dark tonight. First of all, it's great that that series is back. I'm going to host some shows there this season. I'm very excited for it again. And uh, it's just, it's such a godsend for the sport. We all love watching after dark on a nightly basis. You should go watch it. Uh, tonight they were doing their hot take episode and we got some hot takes, man. Like Goodman picked Virginia or not Virginia. Goodman picked Villanova to win the national championship. Kyle Neptune's Villanova. That's who Goodman's national championship pick is. Then minutes later, uh, Fanta picked New Mexico to the final four. We already talked about it earlier in the show, but like there, there were some takes being thrown around this episode i believe rob doster picked providence to the final four like wild 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 night on after dark that leads me to the question who is the worst team that can win the national championship it looks like you might have your answer i think i do i think i'm gonna go with the colorado buffaloes i think that is the worst team that can win a national championship I love KJ Simpson. I love the Silva. I think he's a pro. I think he could win Pac-12 player of the year. 
And here's the, the swing point for me where it makes the worst team that I guess could win it. They get the highest rated recruit in Cody Williams, top 10 guy, brother of Jalen Williams who went to Santa Clara, really good player. Doesn't seem to get mentioned as much as the other freshmen, but was a consensus top 10 McDonald's All-American guy. And a lot of people see him as an NBA guy, just like his brother. And if he comes along quicker than maybe people think, this team could be really, really dangerous. And they got a lot of weapons. And they got my big dog, Eddie Lampkin. Like, I'm always going to rock with Big Ed. Like, that's just, that's going to be, that. I'm going to do that until the day he leaves college basketball. But I think that that would be the worst team that I think could win the national championship. And I say worst team where they just got to get in the tournament. I think they're going to get in pretty easily. Don't get me wrong. But as long as they're in there, they're going to be my sleeper pick to win the national championship. I really like that Colorado team. Okay, I like that pick. Uh, where do you think, like, do you think they can win the Pac-12? I would assume if you think they can win the national title, you also think they can be like a dominant regular season team? Is that how you I see do. it? Okay. Uh, I, I, uh, okay, I wouldn't say dominant because I do think the Pac-12 is good. Like, they got to go through Arizona. Arizona's the favorite in my eyes. Yeah. But I think they could win it. Like, outside of that, it's a, it's question marks in the Pac-12 to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I like the pick. Um, I'm excited to watch Colorado this season. I think they have a lot of very good players, and you named all of them. Um, I think I'm a little lower on De Silva than everybody else's. Like, I, I don't see, like, all-American potential with him. Some people are like, oh, he's the best wing in the country. Don't see that. I think, like, if you lock De Silva in a room with Terrence Shannon, I think Terrence Shannon emerges with a corpse. Uh, but <laughs> that's that's just me. I'm being a Big Ten guy. It's a good team for sure. I don't like the answer, though. I'll be honest with you. I'll just tell you flat out. I don't like that answer because I think Colorado's too good for that answer. Colorado's okay. a good team. Colorado's a good team. I have the answer. I have the worst team that could win the national championship. Can I? Can it, uh, is it Michigan? No, they can't win the national championship. They're not going to. Can you give me the conference? The Big Ten. Actually, I have two. Do you want the Big Ten answer or do you want my non-Big Ten answer? I have two. I want both. Well, let me get let me get Big Ten first. Okay. Yeah, the true answer is the Big Ten team. The worst team that can win the national championship. We've talked about them on this show tonight. Stop, bro. Nebraska? No. Have we even talked about Nebraska? Yeah, we did. Well, you we mentioned that you want Lindenwood plus twenty three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the worst team that can win the national championship this year is Northwestern. Wow, Budarius and Brooks. They could do it. They could do it. Listen, Boo Booey, one hundred and ten percent. No bullshit. This isn't even a joke or a lie or me gassing a guy up. This is the truth. Boo Booey can do Kemba Walker. He can do that. The question is, can anybody else on his team be the guys that were around Kemba Walker? Straight up. Like, like Boo can be Kemba Walker for a month when it matters. He can do that. <laughs> like, I have no question in my mind. When the games get here, in the NCAA tournament, in his final season, Boo can give you like 28 and 10. He'll do that. He just will. He just needs the guys around him to, like, step up. And, man, Cart, can you read the Barnheiser line again? Because hold on, like, hold on, wait, no, no, G, G, this is a revelation. Like, you, hold on, you give me Budarius as Kemba, you give me Brooke Barnheiser as Jeremy Lamb. I okay, I'm with you. I like that pick. I like that. 
I just I feel like all offseason everyone has made out to be like, oh, they they lost Chase on Deej. How will they recover? And like, don't get me wrong, Chase was good. Uh it's Chase on Deej, guys. Like <laughs> it's just and like it, it would be one thing if like, okay, if we didn't believe in Ty Berry and we didn't believe in Brooks Barnheiser at all, then yeah, sure, he's screwed. The problem is, did you see what Brooks Barnheiser did tonight, man? He was incredible. Like that's I, I don't even know what the comp is. Like, who who in the NBA is putting that lineup in a night for your fantasy basketball team? Nobody. Like, that mm-hmm. was a stupid good line. And Ty Berry looks good. Like, his jump shot looked good tonight. So, I, uh, I'm i in, man. I see this coming together. I think Barry and Barnheiser are going to be way better than anybody's giving them credit for. I think everybody just assumes those guys are way worse than Chase Audish. They're not. They're straight up not. These guys might be better than Chase Audige was. And uh, again, sorry, spoiler alert. Boo Booey this year is better than Boo Booey last year was. Boo Booey last year was already awesome. And he's back. So I'm buying the stock. I'm in. I've talked myself into it. You shouldn't be surprised. It's three days before the season. And I'm in on Boo Booey. Like (laughs) that was minus 1500. But uh, there's there's a world that Northwestern wins a national championship and it's Boo going crazy and Barnheiser going crazy and Barry being good. It could happen. I like that. I'm not mad at that at all. Do you want my second one quickly or do you want to just get yeah. one big thing? Real quick, real quick. This seems better than Northwestern, I think, on paper, but uh, it's the golden boy. Are you kidding me? I think Florida could win a national title this year. Do you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You did have a lot of whiskey cokes. Riley Kugel, man. He's good. He's good. Is he not good? He's really good. He's really good. Really, really good. good. But that might be all they have. But I, there's a chance. There's a chance that he's like transcendent good. Can you name one other player on Florida for me? No. <laughs> Okay, they got Zion pulling. Who I yeah, I, the guard I, who's Pullen. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's okay. the the Hanglotten or whatever Hangloden, Hagaloden, Hangloden. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. You, I, I know what you're saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's their Castleton replacement. Castleton was Golden had some players and he really kind of fumbled it. Yeah, you're right. I'm out on Florida. I'm just back to okay. Northwestern. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's just stick with Northwestern. I let's like stick that with thing. Northwestern. Northwestern and Colorado. Those are the worst teams that can win the national championship. I have a feeling we're going to get some shit for that. <laughs> but uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. One big thing presented by Bigby. Uh, my, one big, my one big thing is I just want to say rest in peace to Bobby Knight. Uh, coaching legend, Indiana legend, Big Ten legend. And probably one of my favorite quotes of all time. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want them to bury me upside down so my critics can kiss my ass. I think that would be my initial statement. And if anyone comments on this about how my ass will be sticking so much farther out of the ground than Bobby Nice because I got a big caboose, that that would really hurt me. So just keep that to yourself. But that's an all-time great quote. And Greg just left, and I don't know why he left. Um, Greg, what is it? What the hell is that? My one big thing is in honor of Bobby Knight, I'm going to throw a chair. Do not throw that chair in your basement. Greg, your daughter is sleeping. Do not throw that chair. I gotta throw the chair. It's you, not your your wife is sleeping and your daughter is sleeping. Do not throw that chair. I threw the chair. I hope that doesn't backfire. I really hope it doesn't. It's a light throw. 
It was a toss. <laughs> wasn't a throw. That was one big thing. R.I.P. Bobby Knight. Wasn't Bobby Knight like a horrible person? He was. He was. So we we just like immediately forgive. Is that no, uh, not I'm not forgiving him, but I'm just giving him his flowers as a coach and what he did for basketball. Okay. I was just making sure we knew the rules on that. I wasn't sure. And, and I know for a fact that this name Dan Dockage said, and I'll fuck with Dan Dockage, so that makes me happy. I just got a text. What are you doing? I told you to not throw the chair, Greg. I said threw a chair. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. Good night, everybody. We'll see you in the morning. Uh Thanks for listening to the Sleepers Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe to the Discord. <laughs>